Welcome to the Arlington Street Church podcast. Founded in 1729, Arlington Street continues today as a gathering place for progressive people of faith in the greater Boston area and beyond. We are located at the corner of Arlington and Boylston Streets, across from the Public Garden in Boston, Massachusetts. Please visit ASCBoston.org for more information about this historic Unitarian Universalist congregation. Arlington Street Church, gathered in love and service for justice and peace. Michael Rosen's 1989 children's book, We're Going on a Bear Hunt, begins, We're going on a bear hunt. We're going to catch a big one. What a beautiful day. We're not scared. Playdates are on indefinite hold, but children hunting for bears is in. Teddy bears are appearing in windows, uniting neighborhoods around the world in a global teddy bear hunt. In Northeast Iowa, a caravan of young hunters spotted more than 250 bears in one weekend. In Monmouth, Maine, Allison Angel took her kids on a hunt to forget about the pandemic for a while. For about an hour, we didn't think about anything else that was happening in the world. She says, it was all about teddy bears. The children sat in the back seat. My daughter kept a tally. We kept looking, and there was only that. In Canada, Danielle Hamangian tweeted, explaining to a four-year-old why playdates aren't allowed is heartbreaking. Going on a bear hunt during our walks is the distraction we need. Thank you. In New Zealand, hashtag bear hunt is keeping adults in isolation busy as well, arranging window displays, giving their teddies different outfits every day, and moving them from window to window. Not to be outdone, farmers are building behemoth teddies out of straw bales, and foresters are constructing them out of tree stumps. We're not scared. This week brought the story of two brothers, polar opposites, but for one thing that makes all the difference, they're both in recovery from alcoholism. The older brother, David, is serious. He's a graduate of Princeton, a Fulbright scholar, a Wall Street businessman, and now lives in Florida with his wife and four kids. But increasingly, his use of alcohol, his abuse of alcohol, began to get in the way of everything. He found Alcoholics Anonymous and has been sober for 20 years. The younger brother, Jason, was always the fun guy, the funny guy, the charismatic life of the party. By the time he was 14 years old, he was blackout drinking and deep into drugs. He made his way to Nevada where the bars are open 24-7. The brothers were never close. When David's star was rising, Jason drifted down and down for a long time. And then three and a half years ago, at his lowest point, on the brink of self-annihilation, he called the only sober person he knew, his big brother, and asked for help. David got on a plane. He says, I'm so grateful. Jason reached out. Jason says, David saved my life. So that was three and a half years ago. Jason is now the life of a different kind of party, the AA meetings he hosts on Zoom. 
He is at the very heart of the recovery community in Las Vegas, passing on the saving message of sobriety in these difficult days. Alcoholism is a disease of isolation. Addiction never, ever takes a break. It is always hovering nearby, doing push-ups, waiting for a vulnerable moment. For many people, these times are that moment. In the forced isolation we're experiencing now, many people who thought their recovery was unquestionable are feeling shaky or worse, including David. Jason always keeps in touch with David. His big brother is a huge part of his recovery. But on a recent call, he heard the struggle in David's voice as much as in the fear he was expressing about his work and being able to provide for his family. It would be so easy, he said, to take a drink and just forget everything for a while. The tables turned. Step 12 of the 12 steps begins having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps we tried to carry this message to alcoholics. Jason couldn't get on a plane, but he could invite David to a meeting, his men's meeting, the one he started, the one that would be so happy to welcome his big brother. Now, more than 2,500 miles apart, they are together in the rooms every day sharing their recovery. They have never been closer. On October 11th, 1987, 2,003-by-6 foot panels, the general dimensions of a grave site, were laid out on the National Mall in Washington. Now, with the addition of tens of thousands more panels, the AIDS quilt is the largest ongoing piece of community folk art in the world, weighing in at 54 tons. And since activist Cleve Jones first dreamed up the quilt, no one has sewn more of its 48,000 panels than Gert McMullen. Last month, the quilt was scheduled to be unfolded on the National AIDS Memorial in San Francisco. The plan, a kind of homecoming, for the internationally recognized symbol of the AIDS pandemic was canceled in the light of the ongoing spread of COVID-19, an irony that was not lost. But that did not stop Gert McMullen. Now, 35 years and hundreds of panels later, she is using leftover fabric from the quilt to sew face masks, face masks for those experiencing homelessness and substance abuse. Gert McMullen is hopeful. Her new project will not serve as a symbol of the brutality of a virus, but it might just stop the spread of one, this one. There is something more than uplifting in that. Dennis Runke and his wife Sharon have been watching the news, watching the death toll rise from COVID-19. He says, and they were pushing the N95 mask thing so much. I thought, I have some masks somewhere. I went back to the farm, dug around, and lo and behold, there they were. He looked up Governor Andrew Cuomo's address online and sent him a mask. At his daily briefing, Governor Cuomo read the letter Dennis had enclosed. 
I am a retired farmer hunkered down in northeast Kansas with my wife who has but one lung. We are in our 70s now, and frankly, I am afraid for her. Enclosed, please find a solitary N95 mask left over from my farming days. It has never been used. I have kept four masks for my family. Could you please give this mask to a nurse or doctor in your city? Please keep doing what you do so well, which is to lead. The governor's eyes misted as he showed off the mask to his television audience. You want to talk about a snapshot of humanity, he said. You have five masks. What do you do? Do you keep all five? Do you hide the five masks? Do you keep them for yourself? No. You send one mask to New York for a doctor or a nurse. How beautiful is that? How selfless is that? It's that love, that generosity of spirit that makes this country so beautiful. Dennis Ronke says, it was just one little gesture. But maybe if you get enough of these little gestures, it will all come out for the better in the end. In McLean, Virginia, 16-year-old high school sophomore TJ Kim is heartbroken. He can't play lacrosse this season. But TJ can fly. His father, Thomas, bought his son a flying lesson for his 15th birthday. After I landed that first time, TJ says, all I could think about was getting back up. He fell in love with the sky and earned his pilot's license. As COVID-19 hit Virginia, TV founded Operation SOS, Supplies Over Skies, most recently flying 50 masks and 3,000 gloves, as well as gowns, protective eyewear, head and shoe covers, and bottles of hand sanitizer to a rural hospital in Woodstock. His goal was to make deliveries to all of Virginia's seven rural critical access hospitals. Thomas Kim is helping to round up medical supplies and is glad to see his son channel his disappointment over losing his sports season into something that combines serving the community and his love of flying. The stars, he says, really aligned here. Dr. Hala Akbernia is a physician in a Chicago emergency room. She begins every shift at the hospital with that not in your stomach feeling. Like so many frontline workers, she's been sleeping alone and disinfecting everything before she sees her husband and kids. The stress is unrelenting. But one patient, she says, has changed everything for her. She calls him Mr. C. In the ER, despite classic COVID-19 presentation, x-ray results, and low oxygen levels, he touched her with his kindness. He was the nicest man, she says, gasping for breath. He kept asking if we needed anything and tell us, us, telling us that everything would be okay. He told us he was a teacher, but that he was learning so much from us and how much he respected what we were doing. As she put him on a ventilator, Hala says, even though he was scared, with his steady voice, he kept me grounded where I was supposed to be. Mr. C was transferred to the ICU, but she didn't stop checking on him. After 12 days, he was finally taken off the ventilator 
and transferred to the recovery unit. When she went to visit him, she wasn't sure he'd remember her, especially since she'd been wearing a mask during all their interactions. He said, I remember your eyes, and began to cry. And then Hala Akbernia started to cry. What he didn't know, she says, is that at that moment, I realized that we do what we do exactly for people like him, for moments like these. His strength, his calming words, his kindness to me meant everything. At that moment, my heart, which had been beating over a hundred beats per minute since the pandemic began, finally slowed down. He will always have a place in my heart, she says, and whether he knows it or not, he will be my silent warrior and guide as I take care of every patient, COVID or not. He will fuel me until the day I hang up my stethoscope. One more story. Tom Moore served as a captain in India and Burma during World War II. Recently, the British veteran started a fundraising campaign for the National Health Service to thank healthcare workers by walking the length of his garden in Eastern England back and forth, bent over his walker. His goal was to walk 200 laps by April 30th, his 100th birthday. This past Thursday, he reached his goal. Nine soldiers from the Yorkshire Regiment, a unit linked to his former British Army Regiment, lined the paved parkway in his Bedfordshire backyard, forming an honor guard for his final laps. Tens of thousands of Britons pledged donations. Tom's humble, astonishing mission raised the equivalent of $16 million. Health workers on the front line, he says, deserve everything we can give them. Beloved spiritual companions, we're going on a bear hunt. We're going to catch a big one. What a beautiful day. We're not scared. Sober brothers David and Jason reminding us that we are all helpers and helped. AIDS quilt maker Gert McMullen using leftover fabric from the last pandemic to sew face masks for this one, not to serve as a symbol of the brutality of a virus, but to stop its spread. Retired farmer Dennis Runke sending a single N95 mask from Kansas to New York. Maybe if we get enough of these little gestures, it will all come out for the better in the end. 16-year-old T.J. Kim transmitting his disappointment over missing lacrosse into flying supplies over skies. The stars aligned. ER doctor Hala Akbernia and Mr. C, her patient and guide, each caring for each. And British veteran Tom Moore walking the length of his garden in eastern England back and forth bent over his walker, raising $16 million. Health workers on the front line deserve everything we can give them. Let's close as we opened with words of Albert Einstein. 
a human being is part of the whole called by us the universe, a part limited in time and space. We experience ourselves, our thoughts and feelings as something separated from the rest, a kind of optical delusion of our consciousness. This delusion is a kind of prison for us, restricting us to our personal desires and to affection for a few persons nearest to us. Our challenge is to free ourselves from this prison by widening our circle of compassion to embrace all living creatures and the whole of nature in its beauty. Kindness means everything. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. We would love to hear from you via email at office at ASCBoston.org or through our Facebook page. If you would like to support the good work of Arlington Street Church, please consider a contribution by checking the mail or through our website, ASCBoston.org.